Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be all, end all, know it all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Wednesday out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We got all kinds of stuff coming up. We got uh, Big Elk Defense Coordinator Johnny Eastham stopping by toward the end of the show. Get his thoughts on last week. Look ahead to tomorrow night with Cash coming to town. Another big 4A1 battle right here at Big Elk Stadium. So big, uh, big week following uh, the district opening loss to Clinton. So get his thoughts on everything Big Elk football. College football, it's Red River Week, right? So today, we're going to talk about what happens when Texas has the ball. When the horns are on offense, what are some key players on each side of that? X factors maybe on each side of that. Where could advantages lie for uh, Texas's offense or OU's defense? Just how good is Quinn Ewers? And then what would be considered a winning day for Oklahoma's defense against the Texas offense? Major League Baseball playoffs started yesterday. Got some notes on each of those. Elk City Elkettes fast pitch season came to an end in Shawnee against North Rock Creek. How about another fantastic year for Coach Murray and the softball team that we can talk about as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. Talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, you can stay in touch with the show by logging on to kadsam.com or download the the, uh, app. Paragon Communications app is free, and it's got everything that we do right here. Radio, Penny News, and Big Elk and Paragon TV. By the way, that Penny News, brand new edition, hit the website last night at midnight. You can check it out at thepennynews.com. Our fearless leader be headed to the city to pick up the print edition of the Penny News. You can start getting that in some locations tonight. By tomorrow morning at this time, go pick up a free copy of your Penny News at your favorite local newsstand. Of course, Skinny on Sports Podcast, if you missed the show or entirely one of the days, and you want to go back and hear what we had to say, it's easy. You can find it everywhere the podcasts are. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. How are you doing? Probably riding high, aren't you there, with your Texas Rangers hat on? That's right. Feeling good you about it. got a different one on today. Yeah, you got to mix it up every once in a while. Ooh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are I, you I, sure that's a good idea? I thought about that, too. No, nah, it's fine. You get a, you get a win fine. at Tampa Bay with one hat, and you decide to change to a different hat. No, you can't pitch the same pitcher every time. It's true. It's very true. And uh, I like their chances today. <clears throat> oh, you're going to like their chances every day. Well, you have all days on there, on the bump. Montgomery was awesome yesterday. Valde's a superstar, or an all-star. Good pitcher, although he's he's slacked a little bit. We'll see what happens. It's good good outing last or yesterday afternoon. And I'm glad I wasn't the only one who noticed it. You see the thing from ESPN about the attendance record? I've got it. Or lack thereof. 19s were wild. 19,000, the lowest attended Major League Baseball playoff game since 1919. Insane. Sad. Because I'm watching the other games and the fans oh, are Oh, yeah, it's packed. packed. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wonder if the – what time was was it there? One, uh, three o'clock. In Florida. Two o'clock our time. Bay. Yeah. I wonder if that had something to do with it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Don't tell me that the rest of the the rest of the major leagues that, wouldn't it, have had full it, stadiums. Right. If the, it doesn't matter when the game is played. So if that was the case, that means you're not a major league town. Well, you're not a major league region or whatever Tampa Bay wants to call themselves. This has always been the case with that franchise. And, and they, the fans don't show. They yeah. don't show up, and it's an amazingly consistent team. Yes. Once they got things rolling, oh, man, they're red hot. Start the year. Well, this Here isn't they are the only about on year. On the verge of maybe winning a hundred games, but yeah, you're right. Not the only year. I mean, Your they played in the World don't... Series COVID year. Like, a, uh, yeah, in oh eight, oh eight or nine. Yeah, 
against the Phillies. Uh, the one that AL no eight. Or, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, against the Phillies. Was it against Phil? Phillies? Yeah, Phillies beat them in the. Right. Anyways, they've had consistent success, and the fans aren't still aren't showing. That's why there's always that rumbling of them moving. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same. And, and who can blame them? It's just it is kind of sad that you. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Tampa. Don't tell me you couldn't get off work. Florida, heck, most of them are probably retired. All right, good point. Good point. Now they are about to get a new stadium. That might help. The Trop. Yeah, it's kind of. Tropicana Field. There's a stat yet they're talking about during the game was how many times a ball has hit the ceiling. Like it, oh, it, yeah. they said on average, it's not as often as you think. The catwalk. It's Isn't about, that where the catwalk yeah, is? It's about 12 times a season. I'm like, that's 12 times too much. Yeah. I mean, you, your stadium stadium's out of date. It's a 2023, bro. We yeah. shouldn't be hitting the stadium. Come on. It, it's kind of like, I mean, there's certain places maybe I don't have to go for basketball, but you probably do. Older venues where if somebody tries to fire one up from like three-quarter court, it hits the ceiling. I can think of a few. <laughs> yeah. I don't, that doesn't necessarily happen where I go just because of the bigger towns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just doesn't. I can think of a few. Although the smaller schools, there's some nice. There's some nice ones out there, but there's still some old ones. There's still some old ones with some low ceilings. That's right. I can think of Hollis being one of those where you could absolutely hit the ceiling. Funny story. This funny story. I remember back in high school, back when Clinton had their tournament, the the shootout tournament over there, and Tuttle was over there playing, and it was like a Saturday afternoon game, some consolation game, and there I don't even remember who they're playing, but. We were there hanging out, watching the game, and a certain player for Tuttle was their point guard. You know who that'd be? Depending on what year, it could be Jason White. It's Jason White. Yeah, we whipped him Jay- by patting for a dance in the regionals. <laughs> Jason White. Well, they're down like a point or two with like maybe a half a second, one point something seconds left on the clock. And you know how the dome scoreboard is. Yeah. It's in the middle. They have to go the full length of the court. So what's Jason White do? What was he famous for at OU? Yeah. The long ball. So he's rearing back to throw it. He throws it and nails the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that thing's still pretty high, but he he nailed it going back, throwing it. And people went up and gave the incompletion sign because he was committed to OU at that time, and they were giving him a hard time. But that's a pretty high ceiling at, at the dome, but the I guess the scoreboard hangs a little low. Yeah, chop it, it, and and then also you would hope that the new stadium. I haven't seen any renderings of it. You would think it'd have like a retractable roof. Being in Florida, you, think. you, you think you get more nicer weather than not nice weather, and you like to sit outside for a baseball game than inside. I don't think it's incredibly. I'm sure they'll have their heat waves. Anyways, advantage Rangers if the fans don't show up again today. I don't know how much fans actually have a say. I don't know. It's In just baseball, sad. it is seventeen sad. or nineteen thousand people. I wonder how many people were at Texas Live watching the. Probably more than nineteen thousand. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. <clears throat> so the Rangers win. Also, the Minnesota Twins snap. Did you Did you realize this? I didn't realize that about Minnesota. Minnesota snapped an eighteen-game postseason losing streak. Three-one win over Toronto. They hadn't won since twenty fourteen, like ALDS. Tory Hunter looked young last time they won a game, won, won a playoff game. Uh, they went three one. Royce Lewis first playoff game of his career hits two home runs, two for three with all three RBI. My Milwaukee Brewers, just too many dudes left on base, and jump out to a three nothing lead with Corbin Burns on the hill. You gotta feel really, really good about that. And the next thing you know, Arizona started hitting home runs. Two in the third was it the fourth? The third inning, it was three nothing going into the top of the third, two run bomb and a, and a back went back to back actually with a solo shot to tie it, and then the solo home run in the fourth. Burns ends up getting the loss. The insurance runs in the in the ninth inning on a double off the wall. Man, Evan Longoria was awesome at third base. Defensive play so far of the postseason. Holy cow! The bases loaded, one out. Taylor hits a rocket. Looks like it's into left field to score at least one, if not two. And Longoria snags it and doubles off one of the Brewers at second. Then he had the play where he came across, kind of bobbled it, and uh, 
Christian Yelich wasn't paying attention on the bases, rounded second, thinking the throw was going to first and maybe looking to, to advance. And as Longoria bobbled it, he he noticed Yelich coming across the bag, so he kind of threw behind him, ended up basically picking him off at second. Made another diving stop on a ball that was headed for the outfield. He didn't throw that guy out, but he was damn close from his butt. He was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. So both teams used tons of bullpen in that game, which isn't necessarily a great sign for my Brewers because of uh, Arizona's got Zach Gallen going today. He ate, he ate up 210 innings. Peralta on the other side for the Brewers probably helps, but then when you look at game three, uh, and they got Merrill Kelly at 177 innings. This is not looking good for the Brew Crew with the way that game went. You know, some sometimes you lose and you move on, but exhausting a bunch of your bullpen guys, and then it feels like the Diamondbacks have the advantage as, as, with starting pitching the rest of the way. It's rough. It's going to be rough yep. uh, for the Brewers to advance. Then also Philly beat Miami uh, four to one. Zach Wheeler was great, six and two thirds, gave up a run, eight eight uh, strikeouts, and so. Two two road teams won, two home teams won, and the cool the, the cool thing about this uh, the, these best of three it's 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 wherever they played is where they play. That's kind of I guess the advantage of having the better record or the better seed or winning your division mm-hmm. going into these three game series in the wild card is you get to play every game at home. So yeah, there and, is and, that, and it makes sense honestly in a three game series. There is zero. There was zero reason to travel. To, to travel. No, yeah. Now a five game is a little bit different, but in a three game series, there is no reason to travel. No. Um, the, the one thing I guess, and I, I don't think this happens, but I, the one thing you could see if, but you know, it's the advantage. But to have, even though it's not in your park, like say the Rangers were the home team on the scoreboard today, to get the last at bat, I don't, that's not happening. I don't think. I think it's just. Just like a normal three-game series down in Tampa, and you're trying to take two or three, yeah, uh, to move on. So, Major League Baseball playoffs got off to a great start everywhere, but Tampa, as far as um, the attendance, it, it just felt. It's amazing how much cooler the the atmosphere feels for a Major League Baseball playoff game versus yes. just a game in July. Well, it's like every pitch, every pitch. There's a reaction. It's not like you're right in a a day game in July. It's every pitch matters because it could be the difference. A lot of fun. I watched a lot of baseball yesterday. Yeah, I did too last night. I watched a whole bunch of that uh, throughout the the evening time with the with the Brewers and then all, all the, with the uh, Phillies and the Marlins as well. Uh, watched a little softball yesterday as well. Yoke City Elkett season ends in Shawnee to North Rock Creek. Elkett's were the 15th seed in the Super Regionals. North Rock Creek was second. Uh, the first game started out pretty close, and then North Rock Creek, the Lady Cougars. Broke it open with four, four in the third, end up four in the sixth. They won game one nine zero, turn around and win the second game nine to two. Um, another great season though. So backing up the year from last year at twenty five and eight, losing all those seniors off of the team last year, the Elkets bounced back, back into the super regionals twenty seven and ten this season. Uh, do lose three seniors that start uh, with Emily Lawrence, Brianna Butler. And also Madison Holiday, but the future's still bright. Uh, Pogue, the sophomore pitcher, will be a junior next year. Uh, Satili, kind of the rock in the infield. At se- she'll be a senior at the at the shortstop spot. And then there's a bunch of young ones coming up uh, through you know in, into that program. So a, a lot of a lot of promise, a, a lot to look forward to. If you're the Elk City Elkett softball team, uh, disappointed for sure uh, that you're unable to to be the first team to make it into the into the state tournament in Elk City fast pitch history. But it feels like it's coming, right? At some point here in the next couple of years, uh, that, that ceiling's going to be broken through. Yeah, this uh, this program is too good not to get to the state tournament. They're, they're consistently winning, and they're going to break through. They're going to break through. This was a great – despite the ending there, this was a great year for them. Congratulations, Coach Murray and – his staff and all those young ladies and I expect nothing but great things going in the next fall. It's a, the program is established as a winning program. Everybody knows that when they play Elkett against the Elkettes in softball. So it was a good year. Good year. 
It I, was. I it was indeed. I was thinking, who else played? Da, 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 da. There was somebody else around in 4A. Looking at the results. I, was yeah, thinking, I couldn't think who I else played. I was thinking there was one other that, that showed that they were going to be playing. I don't see I don't see the results, though. So I can't tell you. Weatherford starts tomorrow up at Miami. Bunch of the bunch of it's tomorrow, and then if game being on Friday, uh, but uh, Elk City North Rock Creek played yesterday, and so yeah, great season for the Elkettes. Just not quite, not quite what the goal was. I'm sure to start the season of getting to that. Hanging out here on a Wednesday. It's OU Texas week. The big game coming up Saturday, at 11 a.m. down in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, surrounded by the State Fair. The Ferris wheel, the corny dogs, the wax paper cups of beer, and the fried literally anything. You know what I heard him talking about driving in today? What's that? The food that's going to be Fried offered? fireball. How do you fry a drink? It's more like you fry a piece of like angel food cake and then pour fireball and cinnamon over top of it. You're, oh. not, really fire, you're not really frying the liquid per se. It doesn't really work. Yeah. Oh, well, that part does, I guess. Anyway. Okay. I'll take a uh, Fletcher's jalapeno and cheese. Yeah. About 930, if anybody wants to beam me up, Scotty, one of those, <laughs> to wherever I'm at. Be a fun day. It's the big, biggest game down there since 2011, as far as both teams being undefeated, going into the matchup this year. All right, let's talk about Texas. What happens when the Horns have the football? Without looking at any stats for either side, what do you feel like the consensus analysis is with Texas's offense versus OU's defense? Well, like what will Texas be able to do versus what OU will be able to stop yeah, them from kinda. doing? Well, I think and we, we kind of – talked about this yesterday and it's kind of obvious is if oh can OU defend texas run game um whoever wins the rushing battle in this game typically wins it although statistically OU has a better rushing attack game by game i mean i'm looking at the stats it says OU rushes the ball better than texas no that's not right it's not even close to right well then ncaa.com is wrong it made me look stupid. Per again. game? Now, overall. Huh. Go keep going. Well, my point is, can OU stop their rushing attack? Because they have they hit the bigger plays more than OU has in the rush. But o, rush OU's rushing defense, which I haven't compared OU's rushing defense versus Texas rushing offense. Something's got to give there. But, you know, I'm like 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 PJ and uh Stutzman and the edge guys, the the cheetah position, Deshaun McCullough. How are they going to look against Texas's rushing offense? Yeah, did I, did I look at the wrong stat. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out because so Texas through five games, they're 34th in the country at 191.8 yards a game. I'm just looking at yards per game, yards per rush. They're they're almost five yards a carry, 4.99. On their offensive side of the ball. Now, OU's rush defense comes in 28th in the country at 105.2 yards given up per game. So that that's fairly – I mean, Texas has ran the ball better than Oklahoma. So Oklahoma's down in the 50s, I think, with rushing offense at 150-ish yards. Yeah, 157. They're 63rd offensively OU is. But that, but it only has four games. Oh, you know what you're it's it's missing, probably the Arkansas State game, because this is just going to be against FBS opponents. But they're no, they're a, Arkansas is in yeah they're they play in the, in sun, the sun belt. belt yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to find that stat. I well, I'm looking at it right here, but it only has four offense games. versus offense is what I was looking. It only has four games. Oklahoma four games of rushing stats, four yards a carry, 157.8 yards per game. 
Well, here's Texas. Oh, wait a minute. They're, what just happened? That's got them 155.8 through four games. But on the front page, through five games, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> through five games, it has them at one, 191.8. Huh. It's got Texas twice. Or what ranked? 34th. 34th. Yeah, it's got them twice. I see what you did. What did I see there? The other. It, it, Why did they poop? It's like it didn't have the Kansas game in, included on the other page. That's wild. Because they ran for over 300 against Kansas. Yeah, and see, that's, that's see, a, you see what I'm looking yeah, at? Yeah, I do. I actually do. Anyway. And then they didn't account for OU's fifth game, whatever game that is that they're not accounting for. I would assume it would be the last one. Because for Texas Man, to, NCAA on it as usual. For, it, for, for Texas to jump up as much as they did. But you saw what I did there. You yeah. said, oh, I mean, they're pretty – and through four games, they were pretty – Cal Gundy did the same thing. Even. Did yesterday on the, the air. Thing? He did the exact same thing. I never even noticed it when I saw when I looked up the stats for OU's. But I, Texas has run it better than Oklahoma. A yard better to carry – But I think it's uh, it, it it feels like the narrative is that Texas has just ran the ball down everybody's throats. I think that's obviously not the case when you look at without last week down in the sixties going into last week. They had a great they had a great game against against Kansas's poorest defense. I understand, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't think that. Texas's rush offense should be confused with with some of the the, the very very best in the country. They're not they're, you know they're not Oregon at two thirty a game or haven't been. Um, I, I think most people feel but even, even narrow it down even more for for me. It's not just the rushing defending the rush it's because what we've heard about texas resurgence is their offensive line mm -hmm. so what's ou's defensive line and even even linebackers are they able to get a push against those offensive line guys to disrupt a rushing game to make Quinn Ewers uncomfortable that's right i, mean, I, I think that's more of it i mean i know <clears throat> that's so cliche to say and i said it last week during the high school game was you know who's going to win the battle up mm -hmm. front which i thought was a big reason why why clinton won to be honest i'm not throwing shade at anybody but it, it it's same thing can be applied here is because that is why that is why texas is good and five and oh and ranked top four top three in the country is because it's not i mean they're doing things what we thought they'd do with quinn ewers i i knew quinn ewers would be a really good quarterback in his second year as a varsity guy taking snaps his he was too good not to be and he is showing that he has great skill guys around him great running backs but that offensive line and defensive line is why i think texas is back air quoting so what does OU do? Is there does Brent Venables have a defensive plan on how to disrupt that offensive line? That's what I'm really going to key in on. I mean, I think that most people would say that's one of the biggest advantages that Texas has is their offensive line, and, and everything goes back to pushing Alabama around because mm -hmm. no one's used to seeing Alabama get pushed around. That's the the key to the game. In my mind, is is that is it, it? It always is. Whoever runs the ball better wins. That's just the, this game. You know, we can talk about everything else, but when it comes down to it, if you can run, if you run the ball better than the other team, you win this game like ninety five percent of the time over the past quarter century. So there's that problem. Also, especially when you look at what happened early last week, I think the key to the one of the biggest keys is. Is Jatavian Sanders healthy, and is he going to play? He's the superstar tight end for Texas because where have we seen some problems with OU's pass defense in the middle with the safeties, maybe even linebackers and coverage a little bit? That's a huge glaring advantage in my mind for Texas coming into this game from what we've seen. Now, Texas likes to throw a ton of screens to the outside, to the wide receivers. Now, that has been somewhere that Oklahoma has been fantastic all year long, being able to defend those wide receiver screens. We saw it last week early on, like two or three big-time negative plays, one by Williams. I think Keith Lawrence had one right early on in that game. 
That has been that has been a strength of Oklahoma's defense. And I, honestly, I think I don't know that the corner. I think the corners hold up. Can the middle of the field hold up mm-hmm. in coverage against these uh, the Texas receivers and especially the tight end? So that that leads me to you know X. If you're talking about X factors, is this a game where you see Peyton Bowen unleashed? on the defensive side for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of people unleashed, but I see what you're saying. He clearly has just that natural ability to know what's going on, to Mm -hmm. read what's going on. The moment hasn't seemed too big for him whatsoever. So to me, he is a huge X factor in this game in that will – Will 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 the will the leash be taken off of him and and we actually start seeing Peyton Bowen out there consistently in that defensive backfield? I think it could be. Yeah, and that's another thing about this game. There's always a guy that where like a star is born, yeah, or a guy that you don't even think would be a factor in this game turned out to be. Well, that's why they won. Do that guy. That guy broke out that game. That guy did that. That guy had a punt return. Or so who you got? X factors for Texas on the offensive side. Um, anybody running the football? That's what I've got too. C.J. Baxter or Jonathan Brooks? Yeah, Brooks has had some Brooks big is games. A dude. Yeah, he's, he's a had guy. some big runs. Baxter has been a little bit limited. It doesn't seem like he's been a hundred percent healthy just yet. Uh, true freshman. But yeah, I agree. I, I, I think you know the receivers are the receivers with Mitchell. And with uh, uh, Worthy, we've seen those guys. Those guys are, are, are fantastic on the outside. Sanders is a huge key how healthy he is and can he play. Seems like it's trending to where he's going to play, but how much of Jatavian Sanders' ability will we get to see on Saturday? Uh, but I, I agree 100%. Those running backs, it's, it's kind of a, a make-your-name game. Now, so where are some advantages? Where where do you where do you think there are advantages possibly for OU defensively? Oh man, there's one glaring advantage. You got you got one. One glaring weakness in Texas's offense, and it's the it's third down. They're only fifty six uh, fifty six in the country. At 42% on third down, OU's defense is 10th in America, only allowing 27.6 on third down conversions. Um, OU's defense has been fantastic when the team, when the other team has gotten, say, to their 40, like the plus 40. OU has been the second-best team in the country defending from there. And then red zone defense, Oklahoma's only allowed three touchdowns in eight red zone trips by the other team. So thirty-seven point five. They've they've yet to allow a rushing touchdown this this season. Texas has made it into the red zone twenty-one times, only scored eleven touchdowns. They've had to kick eight field goals, and then two times they didn't score. So those those big downs on third down and red zone, the numbers say Oklahoma's defense has a has a pretty decided advantage in those areas when the downs become really important, either on third down. Or in the red zone. I thought you were asking me like more of a unit advantage. I can't find one individually, you know. Or, or I'm always want to go to Stutzman first. You know, can he fly to the football like he has all you know these first five games and create havoc? But I, yeah, I didn't know those stats. Those are fantastic stats. Get him in third down, third and anything, or third and long, third, third and just third five down plus. Period. This third down plus, or third down at anything, and you gotta like your chances there. Now, I mean, <clears throat> the the thing about it, if you look at, if you actually look at the numbers, a lot of these numbers with with the early season favor Oklahoma, but. The problem is who have they played yeah. to amass these numbers? It's almost like you can just throw it out the window before Saturday because of what 
of who they played. You know, it just the numbers support Oklahoma having a chance to stop Texas. When you look at rush defense, OU's 28th in the country, Texas 34th. Pass efficiency defense, OU's 7th in the country, Texas is 24th in pass efficiency offense. I mentioned third down. Now, the the one thing that kind of where the rubber, the rubber meets the road is Oklahoma's second in the country with eight interceptions defensively so far this year. Yours has only thrown one. So that, you know that's kind of a that's a that's a strength on strength, for sure. I mentioned red zone and then scoring defense. Oklahoma's second at eight and a half a game given up. Texas is only 29th in the country scoring offense, 36. When we talk about this the other way tomorrow, it's going to be different. But Oklahoma has piled up these stats as the they piled them up against who, right? Whereas Texas. We, we knew this, and it's, it can be irritating if you're an OU fan, but we talked about it the second week of the season. After, after the Horns struggled around a little bit against Rice into the third quarter, what did I say? None of it's going to matter if they beat Alabama. And they beat Alabama, and guess what? None of it matters. That's the only thing that matters now. It doesn't matter that it was 10-10 against Wyoming. It doesn't matter that it's 20, 20 to 14 in the third quarter against Kansas. One, they proved their medal in the fourth quarter by pulling away from those teams, Alabama included. And that's one thing that I think is going to be really interesting in this game is at the end. Texas has been really strong in the fourth quarters of these games. Really strong. And I think that goes back to the first thing you said. Eventually, their lines take control of the game. Yeah. What's a winning day for OU's defense? Well, prevent what you just said about the fourth quarter. Um, I think if you can hold Texas to the 20s, maybe even the low 30s, and hope the offense is at, is on point like they were last week and not like they were at, say, Cincinnati. And give yourself a fighter's chance. But just holding holding them at bay, you know, weathering storms. You know, you know Texas is going to come out with probably scripted plays, come out a roaring, settle down, force their turnovers, you know, tech, OU's offense, even last week you saw when they settled in, they made those offensive adjustments, they were pretty dang tough to uh, get anything by. So, um, I would – but just uh, to answer the question, hold Texas in the 20s, maybe even high 20s, and hope the offense is healthy and good. Gabriel's good. They're, they're pretty dang good. All right, so I wrote down – 150 rush yards or less. So I think if you hold to 150, then you have a chance to win the rushing battle. A chance with what we've seen so far this season. Anything north of that, if it starts getting closer to 200 or tops 200, then I think you've got a problem if you're Oklahoma's defense because now Texas is completely two-dimensional. Because when you're winning the rushing game, what does that mean? You have the ball. Ball control, yeah. You have the ball, and the other team's offense isn't on the field. And it just, in this game, year after year after year, the physicality of this game is almost startling from any other game that these two teams have played on. And and, Bama, whatever. This game is going to be every bit, if not more, physical than what Texas played against Alabama just because of, of the heightened emotion and passion that this game brings out in both teams. It's a huge reason why you see uh, going into this thing, massive underdogs being able to stay with or win this game because of how much more the, the, the emotion and the attention to detail of this week is historically. So if, if Oklahoma can keep Texas in that in less than 150 or right at 150 rush yards, I think that's a huge thing for OU's defense. Create a couple of turnovers. Sooners have been great at, at, uh, at, at creating turnovers. Both of these teams in the turnover margin have been fantastic all year long. Create a couple of turnovers, and then I think they need to get to yours three times or more. 
create some negative plays and get to him. Now, I, I, I'll tell you, one thing that I've seen him this year do, maybe a little bit more than what we saw last year, and it could be comfortability with what he's doing. But, man, he's turned you, – you got, you've got to be disciplined with your with your rush lanes because that dude is, has kind of – he's made a bunch of plays with his feet and long plays. Last week against Kansas, he had a long run. Baylor, he had a long run, kind of getting out of the pocket, breaking container, or, or even up the middle if you try to come from the outside. So that's a that's I think both teams have to be disciplined in that way because both guys can make plays with their legs even though if they mm. they don't necessarily want to. The big difference I think between the two is yours is so much bigger than Gabriel. It's a little bit harder to get on the ground, right? Because of his size and his strength. So for me OU's defense has to accomplish two of those three and and almost has to keep Texas to 150 rush ish to be able to have a chance to win the running the, the running battle and to be able to uh, – it's just something that has to happen in this game. We've seen it year after year after year after year after year. And the numbers say they got a chance to do all of those things. And the third down uh, – if you're an OU fan, I think the third down defense versus Texas's third down offense is a huge thing in those red zone. Texas hasn't been able to finish off drives near as consistently as what will tomorrow – when we talk about OU's offense, uh, the Sooners have a massive advantage in finishing drives so far this year, red zone versus red zone, third down versus third down. Um, they, they've got a huge – Texas has been good on third down defense, but they haven't been very good on offense. Sooners have been great both sides. So there's a lot there. Uh, you know, I'd lo- I would love to see what the difference would be coming into this game. I think there's two things. How, how many people nationally – that you hear, I mean, at this point, it's a wonder OU is even going down the Cotton Bowl. If you listen, if you listen nationally, I don't even know why they're wasting the gas, why they're even do, you know doing the food, lacing them up. It, it doesn't make any sense for the Sooners to go down against this vaunted Texas uh, Longhorn team. How many people? And, and a lot of it's referenced back to forty nine nothing a year ago. Sure. How many of those people making making those statements? Do you think even realize that Dylan Gabriel didn't play in this game? Oh, they game? didn't realize that. They didn't. They just it's get the clicks, and they just went back. Oh, they lost to him that much last year. Oh, you finished six and seven. Yeah, this is going to be a blowout. And then you know it just falls into the. And then they won at Texas back. We've always said college football is good is better when Texas is quote unquote back when they're good when they're relevant. And then because of them and OU going into the SEC next year, and I get all that narrative. I get it. It, it sells papers. It gets clicks. But if you're an OU fan and if you're an OU player or OU coach, you got to love it, right? If, if Venables, I like, It's refreshing for me as an it, OU fan. Like, it, this it, is great. I it love it. It feels a little bit like, it, like early Stoops years. Even with the national championship, oh, uh, Texas is winning the recruiting battle. Texas has the best players. Texas is so much more talented than Oklahoma. How can the, uh, the yeah. how can the little engine that could, the little crimson and cream engine that could possibly compete with the vaunted burnt orange locomotive? It it has to be a, exactly how the talk was like Brent that. Venables has drawn this up. I mean, it dates back even after five and it 0. dates back to the 0-1 game. After OU had won a national title, there was still, oh, Texas is going to win this game. And then the infamous Superman play. And I love the speech. I, who was that? Musburger said, why aren't these guys? What, why were they not favored in this game? It kind of has that feeling to it, like you're talking like the early Stoops years. The and one, you know Venables is running with it. I know. But the one thing that, the one thing that has to make you nervous as an Oklahoma fan. Uh, th- this game always makes me nervous. I don't care what the rankings are or records. But – the way that Sarkeesian is really good, calling plays, really good as an offensive coordinator. Can he or will he use? Because you know what BV's doing. He ain't setting back. He's coming. You know he's coming. Can Texas use that aggressiveness, that aggression that Oklahoma is going to play with defensively and scheme up defensively? Can they use that against the Sooners and hit a bunch of big plays? That's the tap. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the. That's going to be interesting. Blocking it up when OU sends a bunch of people, 
and being able to hit big plays. Yeah. I hope we get a really, really good game in that sense. Their offensive-minded coach versus OU's defensive-minded oh, sure. coach that sets up a great series of games in the SEC in this game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the I, Bob versus Mac, and, and no doubt. I hope that's what we're getting. Just a day away from Big Elk football. That's coming up tomorrow. We've got the Big Elks hosting cash, a big 4A District 1 battle. Try to stay in touch with the two teams at the top with Weatherford and Clinton. Joining us now is defensive coordinator Johnny Eastham. How are you doing, Johnny? Doing good. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, let's go back just a little bit to last week. Uh, I thought defensively you guys did what you had to do, limiting the big runs from the Clinton running backs, which is always such a scary thing. Um, you know, Outside of the one where Collins ran over everybody down toward the goal line, I thought you guys did a really good job of kind of limiting their big plays on the ground. Yeah, for the most part, we 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 played really tough. Um, you know, that first half, we we were rolling. Uh, it, everything was going good, and you know they're going to make adjustments. I mean, they're they got a great coaching staff over there, and they've got some really really good players. Number three, Collins, he's a, he's a special back. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, we did really good. We just you know one or two plays away here and there. When you look back at the film, what was it seemed like the the one play that they had that worked was kind of the blast to their left side of the uh, of the offensive line. What was it that they were doing on that play that, that was so successful versus anything else they really tried? They they made a few halftime adjustments uh, in, in the way they were blocking it, um, and they just they executed. You know, um, at that time, I think we had a couple when they made some of those big runs, had a couple key guys out with, you know, cramp or deemed up here and there. And it was just a, you know, just a, a bad timing for us. But, uh, but yeah, they, they just, they, they came out and executed a little bit better than they did the first half. Yeah. One of those guys, Gino, catch Gino. It just seemed like when he was not on the field, Clinton knew it and they were taking advantage. Speak to catch and how much he is, how valuable he is to what you do on defense. Oh, well, I mean, he's, you know, he's a, he's the leader of that group right now. He's, you know, he, he started a bunch for us last year as a sophomore, uh, just a, a really talented player too, but he's kind of, you know, he's the quarterback of that group. Um, and, and on top of that, he's just a really smart player. So, you know, when, when he's off the, off the field for us, you can definitely tell. Yeah. I thought, uh, up front, as far as defensive line play, I felt like we held held our own most of the time, except for maybe that little period from four minutes left in the third quarter till midway through the fourth. But outside of that, I thought those guys maybe grew up a little bit on that defensive line. Oh yeah, I think we uh, we had some we had some more pieces on the line. We were we were having a lot of guys play uh, both ways, but not the whole time on defense, trying to keep people fresh. So we had we had a lot of new faces on the defensive line last week, and, and we will going forward. Uh, but, yeah, it was, you know, f we, looking back, we played 40 really, really good minutes on defense. Um, we had about an eight-minute stretch there where, yeah, we they made some adjustments and made us pay here and there. Uh, we just got to put it together, you know, for 48 total minutes. All right, so let's move ahead to this week. Cash coming to town. Uh, the Bulldogs struggled a little bit early. Uh, that may have been due to I mean, Elgin appears to be one of the best teams in 5A. Uh, but the last two weeks, 56-0 against Woodward, 55-0 last week against Southeast. Kind of watching them a little bit. It doesn't seem like they have as much window dressing pre-snap motions and all that as they had. But, man, that Mal uh, Muldoney – the running back, he he is a load to bring down. Yes, he is. He well, we we saw that last year too. They they uh you know they Coach Griffin's done a great job down there, and he's ran that uh, that jet sweep with that jet motion forever. And they were kind of getting into some spread stuff, but he still goes back to that just because they th those kids know how to block it and he knows how to run it. Uh, so they're they're doing a, a, a lot of different things, a lot of good things uh, on offense. But yeah, number twelve. I mean, th the jet sweep's one thing, but you've got to stop that. Uh, you know the, the play right up the middle with number twelve because he he is he he's a he's a tough back. Thursday nights uh, it always feels like throws you out of uh, out of rhythm at least you know for coaches like okay you do this on this day you do this on that day. Um, how's the approach been uh, this week leading up to tomorrow? Oh, it does definitely throw you off your rhythm. I'm sitting there today and think I'm usually making my call sheet after defensive practice and. And I'm like, oh man, I got to get this done now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's as far as practice, practice goes, we we haven't really changed anything. We've taken the same approach as we do any Monday, Tuesday, and today. Hopefully, if the if the weather holds off, it's going to be just a normal Wednesday, maybe a little bit lighter. Uh, we just won't have our walkthrough like we do on Thursday, so I don't think it'll throw us off too much. Um, 
Friday will be the day it throws you off when you have to go back to school after uh, after yeah. you know a hard fought game. Well, but, we got to go to work too. That yeah. <laughs> throws me off. <laughs> but now I think I think this week we've had a really good week of practice, um, and now I, I think we'll be fine. We'll be ready to go. How hard how hard has it been? Uh, speaking of the practice, it, to to put last Friday behind you. Knowing what's coming tomorrow night and the quality that Cash brings up here—that was that was the key, you know. Um, Saturday uh, after after film, uh, it, we told them, "Hey, we're done." You know, we we had a it, it wasn't necessarily a fun film session, um, but we had a, it was a really good one uh, for the coaches and players. And, and just tell them, these guys know we we still have everything in front of us that we want. Um, you know, does it make it harder after losing a district game? Sure, it does. But uh, we still have everything in front of us, everything to play for. And, and knowing that, we just we got to come out and bring it. And like I said, the kids have, have really re- responded well. Uh, we've had we've had two really good days of practice so far. Attitude and effort's been awesome. You, you, you talk. You just said it responded well, and, and that's my biggest worry. It, it Bridge Creek was a long time, a long time mm-hmm. ago, but. The opponents between then and now are quality quality opponents. The state titles speak for themselves. Canadian, Carl Albert, course, Clinton. So, what what has the attitude been like? Like, you know, after this film session, you just mentioned it. Um, how how is it for you as a coach to get to keep these guys going? It's well for for me. It's you know all of us on the coaching staff. We, I mean, it's been when we're telling them you have everything ahead of you that, that we want all of our goals are still there uh we believe that now it's you know maybe sitting up at night and you think man we're we've lost three straight <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that's when as a coach that's when you might you start thinking man we we got to get one here um and, and sure you, you feel a little pressure there you just but you can't press but as far as what we've the message we've been trying to trying to get across to the team I mean, we we believe it. It's not, you know, what we're what we're saying to them is it's it's the truth. We've had three really really tough opponents, um, and I think you know I think that's going to later on down the road that's going to help us. But uh, but no, we we truly believe that that we've got everything's in front of us. We just got to go take care of business. Um, you know, you win that first district game, and and you still kind of have the fate in your hands. We might have to have a little help here and there as far as you know, hopefully getting another. Uh, district title that's the goal right now um but we still i mean it's still out there in front of us hanging out with defense coordinator johnny Eastham of big elk football so cash what what outside of 12 what do we look for it seems like the names on the sheet are at least quarterback running back same guys harbin back at quarterback seems like he's been there forever it does i mean he played a little <laughs> bit here and there as a freshman and now yep. three straight years there he is back there um what what they it seems like they've always got big dudes up front that a lot of guys don't have so what what do you have to do defensively outside of just stopping 12 to be able to to have some success on uh, tomorrow night well we got we got to be able to contain 11 too uh, their quarterback uh, he's he's a good athlete uh, they they put him back there you know kind of in, in the spread and the gun uh, and he can throw it uh, but he's also you got to you got to keep him contained cuz he can run too and yeah they lost i mean they lost the division 1 offensive lineman last Last year and, and two or three others that were huge, and you watch the film. And guess what? They've got three or four more huge guys there. So uh, we're gonna have to. I mean, it's the same game plan as is every week. We got to be physical. We got to tackle the ball well, and we just you know we got to keep people contained and can't give up the big one. Nathan brought this to my attention earlier. Nathan. Yes. No. This is the fourth of a string of five games where we play somebody that starts with a C. Ever heard anything like that? <laughs> Only Nathan would yeah, come I up know. with that. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have. I don't think we've uh, we haven't talked about that in any of our coaching <laughs> meetings. We uh, we haven't. But but you know what? We're talking about that the, the call sheets, and I have noticed. I, I've got them on a Google sheet. Well, when I go rename it, I, yeah, I, I actually noticed that today. I'm like, oh, I, can just, I don't have to. You don't have to see yeah. CHS so. next week. CHS. Yeah, C A H S C H S. The rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's. It'd be nice to get back home. And, and honestly, yes, the schedule shows three losses in a row, but for some, it doesn't feel like it because it, it no. feels like the team after Bridge Creek went out to Canadian, played great for a half, and then mm-hmm. kind of let things slip right at the end of the first half. I thought Carl Albert was whatever it was, played but we tough. played well. Mm-hmm. And then last week, you, you know, you look at the sheet, got to, you outgain them, you, you get down in the red zone, just don't quite. I mean, if the game is played to, between the 20s, we win. 
but you could just couldn't finish off. And then also when they got down there, they did a great job of finishing. Oh, yeah, that's that was the key last week. I mean, we in all three of these games, that's what we've really been looking for is, is how our kids are going about it mentally. And they've been tough mentally and physically. We've played tough. Uh, Clinton, you know, we had like I said, we had eight minutes there on defense it, it wasn't very good uh offensively you're talking just execution of you know a, a drop snap a, a, a penalty down there you know inside the inside the five and you're talking three or four plays there so we're there and that's the thing too that's that's the message we've been telling them too Clinton's a great team I mean they're going to be a top five team uh in 4a and we kind of felt like we let that one slip away I mean quite honestly uh we were right there with them and and should have you know, should have been able to come out on top, but we just didn't quite do it. But the 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 players, the team has played. We've played really tough. We haven't we we haven't given up even against Carl Albert, who's one of the best teams in the nation, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they played them tough, you know. So that's and that's what we're looking for right now. Yeah, uh, it's very fortunate, in my opinion, that this. It, yes, we're at the already on the other half of the regular season, but that's just one district game. So there's yeah. all these district games in yes. front of us right now. Yeah. That, yeah. Is that a, a message you're getting across to the guys? Oh, yeah. That's what we're trying to say. That's what we say. We, we still have everything out in front of us that we want. Uh, you got to take one game at a time. We got to go get this one tomorrow night um, and then move on to the next week and have the same approach. But if we could take care of our business, we, you know, we still have, we still have every goal that, that we want is still very, very attainable. Absolutely it is. There's no doubt about that. It'll be uh, tomorrow, 7 o'clock, right here at Big Elk Stadium. The Cash Bulldogs right now 1-0 and in district play, third place in the district behind Clinton and Weatherford, who also play this week. Uh, so two huge games in 4A1 that will kind of start to settle out where the standings are headed down the stretch and then into a playoff run. Coach Easton, thank you so much. Hey, now, thanks for having me, guys. We'll, we'll get to go downstairs and yeah. try not <laughs> to ask the exact same question. <laughs> That's all right. Thanks. Defense coordinator Johnny Easton joining us here on the Skinny on Sports. That'll do it. Tomorrow we'll talk about Red River, what happens when Oklahoma has the ball. Preview, I guess we'll tell you what's going to happen in the fast pitch. Got some games tomorrow on the uh, for the smaller schools. Maybe some NFL. We might even have a little Western Oklahoma Bulls. Haven't nailed that down just oh, yet cool. either. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. <laughs>